Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. In the last several years, I have been watching folks, including some prominent broadcasters on secular television, who are urging people to be prepared for times of emergency. I saw one particular who was actually telling you what to have in terms of gold and silver and food for the tough times ahead. And many people really asking the question, what is this you know, the incredible speed of natural disaster, and what's this economic uncertainty we're living in? Why is the market so gyrating? You know, you get 500 up and 500 down, and people feeling so uncertain. What about the global uprising, and where is that going to lead? In fact, some people are predicting that we're probably going to have a war in the Middle East. What about this false gospel that's being preached in churches that used to be Bible-believing churches. What is happening all around us? Well, today I want to show you what to do whenever you feel your world is caving in on you, whether it is your personal life, your circumstances, or globally or nationally, whatever it may be. I want to show you a shelter. I'm going to show you an emergency kit that you can have all the time, but specifically in times of trouble. While you may never know the wherefores and the whys and all of that stuff, but there in His shelter, you're going to receive confidence in times of uncertainty. World politicians are trying to give us cheap panacea, but in the emergency center, you will have true comfort and true joy and true peace. There, you're going to find all that you need. So I want you to turn with me, please, to Proverbs 18, verses 10, 11, 12. It's a contrast between those who know where to go for peace and contentment and those who don't, those who place themselves in the tower of the name of God and those who hide behind a flimsy wall of wealth. I want you to imagine two people. One is safe and secure behind a fortified tower, tower that no one can touch, no one can destroy, no one can scale, no one can penetrate. And then the other one, behind one of those flimsy Hollywood prop. It looks like a wall, it looks like a a tower, but it really is flimsy. You push it and would fall. First, let me tell you about the strong and powerful, imperitable shelter. Many of you know the reason God revealed to us in His Word so many names of God is because He wants us to know Him completely, to know His character, because every one of those words reveal a certain part of God's character. And there we see them in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. First, you find Elohim, and that's the name of the Creator God. And it occurs 2,700 times in the Old Testament and 32 times in the New Testament. He is strong tower in creation. Secondly, His name is El, 
which means he is the Lord of power and might. When we get the word El Shaddai, the God of complete power, the God of complete strength, that no one can overcome him. And it means that he is the God of power and might, and it's mentioned 250 times. In fact, in the book of Numbers 23:22 says, it is that El, that powerful God, with his hand brought Israel out of Egypt by his might. And then Eloha, which means he is the living God who is to be worshipped alone, to be obeyed unconditionally, to be followed and to be adored. He is Eloha. And then there is Jehovah, Yahweh, which is the English word Jehovah, which means he is the covenant-making God. God loves to make covenant. God keeps covenants. God honors covenant. He is the covenant-making God and is mentioned 11,600 times in the Bible. The ten compound titles of the name of Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, who is our provider, Jehovah Rafki, the God who leads or heals either way, Jehovah Nessie, the God of our banner, Jehovah Makadish, the one is who is our sanctifier, the God Shalom, because He is the Lord of peace, the Lord Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Tazdiknu. He is the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Shammah. He is the God who is always there, Jehovah Elion. He is the Most High God, Jehovah Roi, who is the shepherd of the sheep. He is our shepherd. And there is nothing that you need in life that is not provided in these names of God. For good measure, in Exodus 15, 2, he is Jah, which describes him as the God who inhibits eternity. He is forever and ever, before and after. And then he's Adonai, which is, means the Lord who is in control of all things, that it means his lordship is absolute, and it occurs in the Scripture 300 times. And no wonder Solomon said, the name of the Lord is what? Think about this. The strongest building that ever built by man can be taken down by a bomb, by a siege. They even have these cluster bombs. It doesn't matter. They'll penetrate deep. It doesn't matter how thick the wall may be. Uh, it can be destroyed by a powerful hurricane. It can be destroyed one way or the other. But the name of the Lord is so strong, is indestructible tower. It's an imperitable tower. It's an unscalable tower. Let me illustrate what I'm trying to tell you and just show you through the years how people thought about this. At the Welsh-English border, there are many ruins of great castles, and also there are strong towers that were built by men, and one of them actually was thought to be absolutely indestructible. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's in ruins. Now, in North Somerset, England, there is a rocky gorge known as uh, Burlington Combe. Burlington Combe is around that area and where that gorge is, there are sheep and cattle who are grazing. But also there are a number of villages that kind of cling to the valley there. One of the name of that village is uh, Blackden. And there in Blackden, there was a man by the name of Augustus Tuplady, and he was a curate ministering in that village. Curate is an old English word 
comes from the cure of the soul, and that's kind of what the British will system, Anglican system, is uh, you become a curate first, then you become a rector. <laughs> so when I graduated from seminary and was ordained in Australia, I became a curate. And I was there, then left to become, I became a rector. Uh, I tell people I left pastoral work because of health reasons. People got sick of me. <laughs> Augustus, one day, while he was walking down toward the comb, a violent storm that that part of the world is renowned for. I mean, this one was the worst he's ever seen. Suddenly, it hit, and he was scurrying toward the shelter. Then he saw a great gorge cut between two towering cliffs, and it looked like to be good enough for him to hide in. And so he looked in desperation, and he saw that cliff in the rocky limestone near the gorge. And as he scurried in, the, in that plateau toward it, he found that he could barely stand straight. And he was not a very tall man, but he could barely stand in that shelter. And as soon as he took refuge there, he was witnessing outside how the rain was coming in down in buckets. I mean, the torrents of rain and, and the thundering was pelting. And he stood barely straight in that spot. And his soul welled within him as he looked at that storm that could have taken his life. And there he uttered these words, Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flow be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. And the church has been blessed by those words that came out of a storm in life. And beloved, I want to tell you that sometimes life's severest storm can bring a song in your heart if you know where to go. If you run into that high tower, if you run into the name of the Lord, the severest storms, the Lord in the midst of it can give you a song. No, He becomes your song. In fact, this song was so impressed the former prime minister of England, Gladstone, that he translated into very eloquent Latin. And for many, many years, every July, thousands of people would come from near and far, and they stand there outside of that cliff of the rock, and, and they sang Tuple Day's words, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. But here's the good news. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that that rock is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He is the only safe hideaway place. He is the only secure protector. He is the only assured guardian. His name is the only imperitable tower. His name is the only guarded defense. His name is the only insured place. His name is the only defended shelter. His name is the only wall of fire and hedge of protection. The name of the Lord is what? The righteous run into it, and the safe. Now remember those words before you start panicking as you face uncertainty in life. Remember those words of the Scripture 
when you're facing your darkest hour. Remember those words when you are experiencing crushing circumstances, when you see things that don't make sense. Remember that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they're safe. And you notice one thing here. He did not say, everyone runs into it. But he said, the righteous. See, there is a promise here. He said, if he said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, everybody who runs into it will be safe. That is the gospel of today, universalism. Everybody's going to make it to heaven. There is no hell. Everybody's going to make it. That's the false gospel of today. That's not the gospel of the Bible. That is not even in the Old Testament. Only those who know the name, only those who love the name, only those who trust in the name, only those who are Christ's, only they will have that place of triple protection, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look at verse 11. Those who take protection in their own material possessions, they're like the people who stand in front of this flimsy wall or a prop, like Hollywood prop, <laughs> and in their foolishness they think, oh, it's imperitable. It is. That's an, imper- that's an unscalable wall. That's what he said. Oh, how they will be sorely disappointed on the day of trouble. In the New Testament, actually, in the Gospels, we have three examples of three men who put their whole trust in their possessions. They put their whole trust in their money, in their wealth. They put their whole trust in their net worth, not in the Lord. And they were all devastated and disappointed. One of them came to Jesus, and he wanted to follow him. He really wanted to follow Jesus. You talk about a seeker. He was a seeker of all seekers. (laughs) But because he could not place his total trust in Jesus and not in his wealth, he was devastated. The Bible calls him the rich young ruler. I'm going to come to him in a minute. But then there is a rich man. He was totally focused on his business. I mean, he was a businessman of a businessman, and all he can think about day and night was his business. Then there's a third man that Jesus referred to him as a rich man who lived for self. I mean, self day and self at night and self in the morning, self in the evening, self-worship, self, self, self. And you know the Bible well enough to know that the Bible never condemns wealth for wealth's sake. The Bible condemns those who've placed all of their hope on their wealth, those who have all of their confidence, those who have all of their security in their material possessions. And in the case of these three men, it's exactly what they did. They could not shake their confidence and shift it to Jesus. But, beloved, I was thinking about this, and I just couldn't help but think that even though it happens, this is true for individuals, it's also true for nations. See, God blessed this nation like no other nation in history. And the reason God has blessed this nation like no other nation in history is because of the faithfulness of the founder and the covenant they made with God. Read the Constitution. And God is a covenant-making God. We just saw one of His… He's a covenant-making… He's a covenant-keeper. 
And because today we have leaders who are so arrogantly think that the reason we've been blessed is because of how smart we are, and we placed our security in the blessing and not the blesser, the walls of these securities are falling apart. They are easily destroyed. This generation, in many ways, I hate to see bad things happen, but I'm glad that this generation who has not seen tough times at least three years ago to the date, they saw how mighty companies collapsed. Imperitable financial institution folded overnight. And on September 11, 2001, God showed us how our trust in our economic might and in our military might was mocked by a bunch of boys, terrorists, that nearly brought us to our knees. The name of the Lord is what? The righteous runs into it, and they're safe. But those who place their trust in their wealth, oh, they can fantasize that their wealth is an unscalable wall, imperitable wall. And let me show you those three examples from the Bible. I don't want to give modern-day examples. You can think of those. Let me give you a Bible. I'll stick with the Bible. The first rich man came to Jesus wanting to really, I mean really, really follow him. This man was genuine. If you want to follow me, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. There you're going to find that this man was full of enthusiasm. He was sincere. He really was. This man was eager to give himself to Christ. I mean, and listen, you know, Jesus really loved his enthusiasm. You see it in the text. Jesus really loved his eagerness. He, Jesus loved his optimism and his positive attitude. Jesus loved his willingness to serve him. But then, all of a sudden, came this enthusiasm, came to a deflating, disappointing, and discouraging end, and when faced the reality. He could not place his complete trust in the Lord and not in his wealth. I want you to hear me right, please. Although this man's search have proven that he is empty in spite of his money, that he was needy in spite of his wealth, that he was restless in spite of his resources, that he was lost in spite of his trust fund. He just could not make the transition from trusting in his wealth to trusting in Jesus. This young ruler had a desperate need to be assured of eternal life. He wanted eternal life. He wanted to be eternally saved. And so when he learned that Jesus was in the vicinity, verse 17 of John chapter 10, it says that he ran. He didn't just walk up on the side there and waited to see what's going on. He ran up and knelt before Jesus. I mean, he could not wait to have an answer to his deepest question that plagued him, especially when he's all alone. He was not embarrassed by the fact that although he was famous and he was prominent, that he came and bowed to Jesus. He did not mind losing face with his peers. He was crying for help. He was highly motivated and anxious. He came seeking the right thing, eternal life. And he came to the only one who could have given him eternal life. Beloved, that is the crux of the gospel preaching. 
That really is. This is the crux of the church's message. This is the crux of it all. For people to come to Jesus and receive forgiveness and eternal life and become disciples. Now, you know, and I know, and all of you who are walking with the Lord for a long time, you know there are certain added blessings to salvation. You know, there's a real peace in the midst of turmoil, and I've seen it in your lives, and, and, and I've seen it in my life. There is identity in the times of confusion. There is joy in the midst of trouble. Ah, but listen, these things are just the icing on the cake. <laughs> a lot of people out there selling the icing. I'm concerned about the cake. Icing without the cake makes you sick. It really does. It makes you nauseous. You know, too much sugar. <laughs> and Solomon is saying that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. No doubt many people run into it. In times of trouble, people pray. <laughs> In time of desperation, they hardly find an atheist. Why? Fear and anxiety. But listen to me. Only the righteous, when they run into the name of the Lord, will become strong and fortified and protected. Only those who are closed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ will be strengthened. Only those who have been adopted by God through Jesus will be strengthened. Only those to whom the Lord Jesus is their only rock, upon whom they built their total firm trust and will be strengthened. Only those to whom Jesus is the only strong tower will find protection, strength, in the times of fear and anxiety. It's amazing when you go back, read that encounter with Jesus. Just read it slowly. You know what Jesus is doing? He's just laying that man's soul bare on the table, something I try to do every morning. Would you choose mammon or the master? Will he choose wealth or the giver of wealth? Would he choose to put his faith in his net worth or in the cross? Tragically, in his case, money won. His strong tower was his wealth, not the name of the Lord. Then there's another man that Jesus tells us about in Luke 12. Verse 16, this man was all business, and he was businessman. Listen to me. This man was a, a business success of a business success. I mean, his business model was written up in Wall Street Journal. Some of you may have seen it. I mean, authors were coming in and interviewing him, and they were writing books about this man's business success. His business model was incredible. This man was so plunged into his business venture that he blotted out any thought or in his mind to the name of the Lord. He was so successful, he was doubling his business every 12 months. I mean, who wouldn't like that, huh? <laughs> doubling his company's profits every year. He said, I'll build new and bigger plants. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing wrong with that. I will expand my business. Nothing wrong with that either. And then, oh, here's the key. Verse 19. In fact, that's a key verse here. He said to himself, can you say that with me? 
he said to himself, be very careful what you say to yourself. Please. You know, we self-talk. In fact, we self-talk faster than we can speak. Did you know that? It's a scientific fact. (laughs) What you say to yourself matters. What you say to yourself when nobody else can hear you, what you say to yourself when nobody else is watching you, it's of vital importance. He said to himself, let me give generously and sacrificially to the work of the Lord. No, that's what the righteous does. That's what the righteous does. Let me help others who are in need. No, that's what the righteous does. He said, I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things built up for many years. Take it easy. Eat and drink and be married. Play golf all day long. Go fishing all day long. Verse 20. But God said to him, because you see, God will say something to you depending on what you say to yourself. If you say to yourself, Lord, I want my success, I want my blessings, I want everything you place in my heart, my hands, that I will use it for your glory, God says, boy, I'm going to bless you more. Lord, I have one desire in my life, and that is in the last day when I have an audience of one with you. I hear those magnificent words from your lips, well done, good and faithful servant. And God said, that's my boy, that's my girl. I'll bless you, because God is looking for conduits. But when this man said to himself, here's what I'm going to do, God also said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Then there's a third man. This man's total focus was self. Total worship was self. From morning to night, focusing on self. How do I get myself better? How do I do this? And how got all self, 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 self. He saw the need right before his own eyes, but he too focused on self to see anything else. His eyes were blocked. And Jesus said, this man ended up in turmoil for eternity. The name of the Lord is what? The righteous run into it, and they're safe. Recession or no recession, they are what? Whether the market is up or down, they are what? Whether the real estate is in a boom or a bust, they are what? Whether the world is in turmoil or not, they are what? Life or death, they are what? Are you safe? Then ask yourself the question, where do I place my total trust? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you knowing that your Holy Spirit has already spoken to us. And whatever the Holy Spirit has placed upon our hearts, if it is a conviction, if it is a commitment, if it's a decision that needed to be made and you're putting it off, whatever the Holy Spirit has laid upon our hearts, Father, help us to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. 